And welcome back to the 49er Way podcast. Hope everyone is having a great week so far. And I'd like to start off today's episode by first wishing a happy Thanksgiving to my American listeners and followers. Hope everyone has a safe and eventful Thanksgiving weekend. Of course, American Thanksgiving only means one thing to people who don't live in America, including myself. And that means we get three football games on Thursday. Can't wait for that. Three great football games. And we'll talk a little bit about those games later on in this episode. On today's episode, we will recap a very eventful week in the NFL. We'll recap all the headlines and stories from week 11 and what was a crazy Sunday. A lot of games went down to the wire and we'll get to all of that later on. We will also take a look at the updated playoff standings heading into the last weekend of November. And of course, I will catch you all up on the latest 49ers news as they are coming off of their much-needed bye week and as they get ready to play the Los Angeles Rams in Week 12. And that's where we'll start this episode, by talking about the Niners and their bye week news and, of course, their game against the LA Rams in Week 12, which is turning up to be a very pivotal game. And the last time the Niners played the Rams back in Week 6, it was also a very pivotal game. And I mean, the Niners sit at four and six. They're in last place. And every game from here on out is is a must-win game if the Niners want to have any shot at making the postseason. And the only downside to this matchup from the last time that the Niners played in what was a must-win game, the Niners were going into that game two and three. The Niners had Jimmy Garoppolo and they had George Kittle. They will be without both of them in this game. And I think that is the glaring, you know thing when you look at this game you're like the Niners are looking like they're gonna get more healthy off of the bye week but they don't have George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo that's a big deal but the Niners they are gonna get healthy and they are getting expecting to have a lot of stars back in this game but the Niners have won the last three straight against the LA Rams they won both games last season they won the game earlier this year at Levi's Stadium 24 to 16 and in a game that I think we all kind of remember and it's memorable for a lot of us based off of Kyle Shanahan's game plan and how masterful of a game plan it was and he set the 49ers up for success in that game and the O-line was fantastic shutting down Aaron Donald and the defense was amazing Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Brett were fantastic in that football game but this time around the Niners are going to need a very similar effort and the Rams are coming off a huge win against Tampa Bay on Monday night so We'll see what happens in this one, but of course, like I said, the glaring weakness in this game for the Niners is, can they win without George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo? Now, here's a little fun fact. The 49ers record versus the Rams since Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay became the head coach of the 49ers and the Rams in 2017. The Niners are 4-3 and three against the Rams, and all four of those wins, Jimmy Garoppolo has played all of them. Jimmy Garoppolo was 4-0 against the LA Rams. The three losses the 49ers had against the Rams were their 0-3. Jimmy Garoppolo did not play in any of those games. Nick Mullins started one of those games. CJ Beathard started one of those games. And Brian Hoyer started the other. So that's a little interesting tidbit there. Of course, if the Niners want to have any shot, Nick Mullins is going to have to step up in this football game, which obviously... Nick Mullins has had, you know, great moments. He's had bad moments, but 
the Niners are going to need the best of him in these next two weeks, especially if they want to have any shot from week 14 moving into week 17 if they want Jimmy Garoppolo to come back healthy in that game, of course. And that's the thing. The Niners will be without Jimmy Garoppolo for at least the next two games. So Nick Mullins is expected to make his fifth start of the season and his second of his career against the Rams. And like like I said, if the Niners want to have any shot in this game, Nick Mullins has to make plays. And that was the problem last week, or not last week, but the week before that in week 10 against the New Orleans Saints. That game was just missed opportunities. That was the story of the entire game. And the Niners had their chances and the Saints didn't look that great in that game. The Niners just gave it away and you can't do that. And if they want to beat a team like the Rams on the road and in a divisional game, the Niners are going to need to be on their A game. The good news is this game, we may not have to rely on Nick Mullins as much as we may have needed him to in the past. Obviously, we haven't been healthy in the past few games, which has meant Nick Mullins has had more on his shoulders. And of course, Raheem Mostert hasn't been available and neither has Tevin Coleman and Jerick McKinnon has really been the only guy. And of course, we like I've talked about on previous episodes, Jerick McKinnon's a good football player, but he's proven that he's not the guy where you could just feed him, you know, 20 times in a game and he's going to run for over 100 yards. It's not going to cut it. Having said that, going into this game, Kyle Shanahan has said, the 49ers are expected to have Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, Tevin Coleman, and Richard Sherman, who hasn't played since week one, back for this game in week 12 versus the LA Rams. That is huge. You know guys like Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel, of course, and we've seen it every time that they've been on the field this season. Kyle Shanahan revolves this offense around those two guys. And of course, George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. But Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel have been two of the best players on this team. Of course, Brandon Ayuk has been fantastic. But Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert are have been the stars of this offense. And really, they were two of the biggest stars in this offense last year, too. And the Niners need them, need them so badly. And I think for Nick Mullins to have those two guys at his disposal will help him open up the game so much more. And I think that's huge. And especially on defense, getting a leader back like Richard Sherman is massive, massive for this defense. And him and Jason Verrett, I think it's going to be a great combo in that secondary. I really do. And they have a very tall task taking care of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were coming off of a ridiculous game against the Buccaneers. It's going to be interesting, but I think it will give a huge boost, especially for confidence-wise, that the Niners are getting four stars back. And Tevin Coleman will definitely help out the run game as well, hopefully, if he can stay on the field. Another star, Jeff Wilson, also returned to practice today. He was activated off of the injured reserve. Obviously, he hurt I believe it was either his knee or his ankle in that Patriots game where he ran for over 100 yards, ended up leaving that game, went to IR. Having said that, he is now back at practice. I don't think he will be ready for this game, but watch out for him being active in Week 13 against Buffalo. But that's huge. Having a fully healthy running back room is massive for this team, and they need it so, so badly. So we'll see what happens. But Jeff Wilson, great to have him back at practice. The Niners need him very badly. Last time the Niners played the Rams, they contained Aaron Donald beautifully. I think it was one of the best games that I have seen by the 49ers in the regard of 
stopping a guy like Aaron Donald on the defensive line. I think it doesn't matter what team you face. When you face the LA Rams, the first thing that you think of is, how are we going to stop Aaron Donald? And Ben Garland and Daniel Brunskill did a masterful job stepping up and taking care of Aaron Donald and protecting a gimpy Jimmy Garoppolo in that game. And they're going to need to do the same in this game and protecting Nick Mullins. Mullins needs time to throw. If he doesn't have time to throw, we are not winning this football game, plain and simple. That's just how this is going to go. Having said that, the difference in this football game is the Niners offensive line isn't going to be as good as it was back in week six. Of course, Ben Garland, who I mentioned, is not going to be playing in this game. He's on injured reserve. Daniel Brunskill, who was playing guard in that game, is going to be playing center. I've noticed this in the past two weeks. I'm not exactly sure why Kyle Shanahan does this, and I don't think anyone in the media has addressed this question, and I hope someone does because I find it very odd. I've never seen anything like this, but in the past two weeks, I noticed at the start of the game, Tom Compton's playing right guard, and then like two possessions later, Colton McVitz is playing right guard, and then Tom Compton's playing right guard again two possessions later, and then Colton McVitz again. I I don't get it. The consistency is not there. Like, you can't just keep switching guards like every two possessions or so. It's not helping the consistency of this offense. On top of that, obviously, Daniel Brunskill has never played center. I think he's done a decent job. Obviously, it's not ideal to have a guy who is primarily a tackle or a guard playing center. But the Niners have had so many issues at the center position, and I think that needs to be a major priority going into next season. It doesn't look good for Weston Richburg. I hate to say it, but Weston Richburg has been on the physically unable perform list all season long. He tore up his knee last year against the Saints. They thought he would be back by this point. I haven't heard anything, which most likely means Weston Richburg's probably not coming back this season. So the Niners really need to take care of that center position, make sure that we have a guy going forward that is consistent. The Niners haven't had a consistent center for, I think, more than like two seasons. Someone is always getting hurt. So, And the center is one of the most important positions in, in football, especially on offense and especially in an offense like Kyle Shanahan. But things aren't going to get any easier for the Niners on the offensive line. The Niners had a handful of players go on the COVID list throughout this bye week. One of them starting left tackle Trent Williams, who unfortunately tested positive. He is doing okay. Having said that, because he tested positive, I don't know if he will be able to play in this game, but let's just leave it as he is doubtful. That is huge because last time Trent Williams didn't play was against Green Bay in week nine. Justin School started that game and got destroyed. That is not good for this run game. That is not good for Nick Mullins. So that's something to look forward or not look forward to. I certainly do not want to look forward to to that offensive line group, but it's something to look for going into this Niners Rams game and a game that is oh so important for keeping the quarterback upright and making sure that this run game is able to get going. But I have enough faith in Kyle Shanahan that he'll have a plan in place and hopefully the Niners are able to run the football very effectively against the Rams. But I think one of the keys to this game, and I already talked about it, put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And Kyle Shanahan has done this on various times throughout this season. Get the ball to Raheem Mostert, get the ball to Debo Samuel, get the ball to Brandon Ayuk. Those are your three best players on offense right now. Get them the football. Get Jordan Reed the football too. He's been great at times. That's it. Just Nick Mullins has just needs to have the time, 
get the ball in your in the hands of your playmakers or the yak bros as Debo Samuel likes to say and they'll take care of the rest that's that's just how the Niners need to go moving on the rest of the season is get getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers but it's been tough on this offense and hopefully they're able to protect Nick Mullins but I think that's a massive key in order for the Niners to move the football down the field and like I said getting Mostert and Debo Samuel back is going to be huge in this game don't turn the ball over this was huge in that Saints game the Niners turned the ball over four times in that game twice on special teams the Rams have become one of the better teams in the NFC they kind of came out of nowhere I mean they started out you know, pretty good four and one. And we're like, yeah, the Rams have only been NFC's teams, but they've gotten really good as the season's gone on. So especially in a divisional game, the Niners, you cannot turn the ball over. Don't penalize yourself. The Niners have to be careful with that. And if you turn the ball over, good luck trying to win this football game. Get to Jared Goff. Get to Jared Goff. This pass rush, in my opinion, is coming off of their best game of the season against the Saints. Although the scoreline doesn't look like it. But if you watch the game, the Niners' pass rush was very effective, and they were able to get to, whether it was James Winston or Drew Brees or whoever it was in at quarterback, the Niners' pass rush was very effective in that game, and they got some very key stops. So if the Niners can keep that up, Robert Sala can keep the pressure up, I think the Niners will be able to get to Jared Goff in this game. And lastly, my key in this game, and I kind of mentioned this early on as well, Richard Sherman. Getting Richard Sherman back is just going to be huge for this team to get the leader of this defense, a key guy, and hopefully he will take away that side of the field. I have a feeling it's not going to be like that because Sean McVay is, is no, you know, dumb guy. I mean, he is a very smart guy and he knows that Richard Sherman has not played in what, 10 games or nine games this season so far. Sean McVay is not going to be afraid to throw to Richard Sherman. He's like, oh, Richard Sherman, he's older. You know, he, he has only played one game this year. Hasn't been healthy. He's coming off his first game back. We're going to keep targeting him. So I wouldn't quite say it's going to be one of those usual games where, eh, it's cool. We got Richard Sherman. You know, half the field's going to be taken care of. Now, Sean McVay ain't no clown. He knows what he's doing. And that's not how it's going to be. But it'll be good. It'll be really nice to see Jason Verrett and Richard Sherman on the field at the same time. Finally. So... Niners-Rams on Sunday, it's a massive game. If the Niners want to keep their playoff hopes alive, they got to get this one. If they don't, you you could pretty much stick a fork in it. But if not, the Niners can make things interesting. And I really do. You know, I, I'm sure a draft pick wouldn't be bad. It's not the end of the world. The Niners have been ravaged by injuries. We have excuses. But you know what? It would be kind of nice if the Niners made things interesting down the stretch here. It really would. You know, I, I don't like seeing the Niners lose. I don't like seeing them get blown out. It's been a frustrating three weeks for this fan base, and it would really be nice to see the Niners make things a little interesting, you know, beat LA, and then Monday night against the Bills, let's see what they can do, and then if Garoppolo comes back week 14 against Washington and Dallas, it's it'll, be, it'll just make things so much more interesting, other than if the Niners lose, it's like, eh, whatever, you know, toss away the season, let's head to 2021, but... You know, I'd rather not see that, but we'll see what happens. So to the 49ers, injuries and COVID list for this week. A lot of stuff happened over this bye week. A lot of people might not be aware of what happened. So this is kind of where we're sitting at. I already mentioned Mostert, Samuel, Coleman, Sherman, all expected back this week. Expected back either week 14 or after. Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Ben Garland, I would assume week 14, week 15-ish, but we'll see how that goes and We'll see and revisit that situation when the time comes. 
to the COVID list. I mean, talk about all the injuries the Niners have had. The coronavirus has hit the Niners kind of hard these last few weeks, and they had a bunch of guys go on the COVID reserve list. And Peronis Grasso, Trent Williams, who I talked about already, obviously tested positive. Brandon Ayuk, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Joe Walker also all went on the COVID list. It is, I don't think anyone has said if any of those guys tested positive, but obviously they were on the list. So they either A, tested positive or B, where, you know, a close contact of sorts. But I have heard that Trent Williams did test positive and that's just, oh my God, it's awful because the Niners need Trent Williams so badly out there, but it is what it is, and hopefully hopefully we get him out there on Sunday, but it doesn't look very likely. But the Niners play on Monday night, the week after against Buffalo. Should be a lot more likely that he'll be back for that game for sure. So that's where it is and where it stands for the Niners heading into Week 12 as they take on the LA Rams, Shanahan, McVay. I hope it's a good game. I really do. I hope it's what Week 6 brought, but like I said, no Garoppolo, no Kittle. It's going to be tough, but... Let's hope that the Niners show up and bring some of that championship motivation and that championship confidence. And, you know, the same way they came out in week six, you know, week six, they're two and three seasons on the line. They came out and they showed that, you know, they are the defending NFC champions. And the Niners are going to need to do that one more time. Can't wait for that one. And we'll talk more about the Rams in just a little bit as well. On to the rest of the NFL in week 11, in which was a wild week. And we'll start with sticking in the NFC West on Thursday Night Football. The Seahawks took on the Cardinals in Seattle, which was a huge game for both teams. But Russell Wilson and the Seahawks took care of business 28-21. That was a must-win game for the Seahawks in the division over Arizona. The Seahawks' defense finally came alive. They've had a terrible season. I think this was probably one of their better games all season. Seattle moves to 7-3 and and are tied for first with the Rams in the division. The Cardinals dropped to 6-4. and And if you did watch this game... Kyler Murray seemed a little bothered by a shoulder injury. That's something to keep on going forward to see if that's something that lingers or keeps him out some time. But that is definitely something to watch for. But the Cardinals, they still made it interesting. They were down inside the 20 in the dying seconds of that game. But the Seahawks held on in that game and got a huge win there. Cardinals are now still a wild card team. The Titans took on the Baltimore Ravens in a rematch from last year's AFC playoff game where the Titans upset the one-seeded Ravens in the playoffs last year. This was another dandy of a game here. The Titans won in overtime 30-24. to The Titans win in overtime in a big game with a ton of wildcard implications involved in this game. Derrick Henry had the walk-off touchdown in overtime. Another beastly performance by him. And the Titans keep pace for the AFC South division. I know this was a big game in terms of wildcard tiebreakers and all, but The Titans are still trying to win the division here, and they are now tied with the Colts, so that was a huge win for Tennessee. But Baltimore falling to 6-4 and and in the third place in the AFC South, the Ravens don't look nearly as good as they were last year. I don't know, and and they won't have Mark Ingram, and they won't have J.K. Dobbins as they both tested positive for the coronavirus, and they play the undefeated Steelers on Thursday night. Things aren't looking too hot for the Baltimore Ravens right now. And we'll talk about more of them in a bit as well. And here was something funny in this game. The Tennessee Titans held a pregame speech at midfield. And that definitely ruffled some of the Ravens players and coaches in a bad way. Definitely some bad blood between those two teams. But the Titans 
came away with the victory and are now 2-0 against Lamar Jackson. The New Orleans Saints defeated the Atlanta Falcons 24-9 and Taysom Hill's quarterback debut. Of course, that was the controversial move by Sean Payton all week long. Is he going to start James Winston or is he going to start Taysom Hill? He decided to go with Taysom Hill and the Saints looked just fine. They continued their dominance on defense, allowing only nine points to a pretty good Atlanta Falcons offense. And Taysom Hill was great in his first start, running the ball, passing the ball, you know, using the read option and all that. But he made Sean Payton look great and turned him into, you know, Sean Payton has been deemed as this quarterback whisper for majority of his coaching career. And Taysom Hill looked great. He has a strong arm. He was great, you know, moving with his legs. But the Saints still look great. And the controversial move paid off. You know, Sean Payton made a bold decision and a lot of people didn't like it. But it paid off, and we'll see, because Drew Brees will still be out for another few weeks, so we'll see if Taysom Hill can keep this up. The Saints are now 8-2 and two and are in sole possession of the number one seed in the NFC. Let's see if Taysom Hill can continue to hold down the fort for Drew Brees. The Indianapolis Colts defeated the Green Bay Packers in what was a wild game in overtime, 34-31. to The Colts get another huge win as they defeated the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, allowing only three points in the second half and came back from 28-14 to at halftime. The Colts had five false starts in that last, you know, few minutes in that fourth quarter. They're trying to, you know, get rid of clock, but instead... The Colts, I believe it was like a third or fourth and 29 or something. It was something crazy. And they gave Aaron Rodgers a shot. And Aaron Rodgers did what he did. And he drove the Packers down the field to tie the game. But it came down to overtime. Marquez Valdez-Scantling fumbled the ball. And shout out to my guy, DeForest Buckner, who recovered the game-winning fumble to set up the game-winning field goal in the Colts. Get a huge win and are now tied with the Titans for first place in the AFC South. The Kansas City Chiefs took care of business against the Vegas Raiders on Sunday night. So far, both times the Chiefs and Raiders have played have been very entertaining games. But the Chiefs won on the final drive of this game. Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does. The Chiefs won this game 35-31. The Raiders had it in the bag. Derek Carr was fantastic in this game. The offense was great. Josh Jacobs was playing great. And all those guys, Darren Waller. But the defense just could not step up when they needed them to most. And Patrick Mahomes drove down the field on the final drive, scored a touchdown to Travis Kelsey with 35 seconds left in the game. And the Chiefs are sitting right behind the Steelers for that number one seed at 9-1. The Raiders fall to 6-4. On Monday night, the LA Rams took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a big game with a lot of wildcard implications there. The Bucs trying to keep pace with the Saints for the South Division, the Rams trying to keep pace with the Seahawks in the West Division. But it was Sean McVay and the Rams who got redemption on Tom Brady after Brady, when he was with the Patriots, beat the Rams in the Super Bowl just a year back. Now they played the Buccaneers, Brady with the Bucks, but the, the Bucs didn't look very good. And the Bucs now fall to 1-3 in primetime and turn the ball over twice. And we will talk more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when we get to the playoff standing in just a little bit. But the Rams are now tied for first in the West. Unreal. And the Buccaneers stumbled to 7-4. and four. Now, before I continue, there's been, you know, a whole media discussion. Not a lot of it, just a little bit of it. Of noticing that Tom Brady did not shake Jared Goff's hand at the end of this game. I'm usually not the one to, you know, talk about random stuff like this, you know, stirring the pot and, 
you know, stuff that the media likes to talk about because, you know, who cares? I just want to talk football and, you know, not out of this other off-the-field stuff. But here's what I'll say about this specific situation. Tom Brady. This guy has been the face of the National Football League for the last, you know, two decades. People who don't even watch football, the first player they probably name nine out of ten times is Tom Brady. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the quarterback on the Patriots, you know, number 12, Tom Brady. Tom Brady has been, you know, like I said, the face of the NFL. He is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. He's won six Super Bowls, six. We all know what he's done. But as that guy, I would assume and feel like, I get it, Tom Brady is one of the most competitive players you know, we all know that and he takes games seriously. He doesn't like to lose. We we get all that. But really, not shaking your opponent's hand. Really? You are Tom Brady, the face of the NFL. Obviously, we know there's a changing in the guard and Mahomes is probably going to be the next, you know, face of the National Football League. But Tom Brady's still playing. He's He's still a starting quarterback in this league and playing at a high level. It's something as simple of, you know, people look up to you. And as the guy who has the credibility that Tom Brady has, it is your obligation to set an example. There are kids watching of all ages, you know. A a lot of people watch these games and they pay attention to sports media and, you know, Bleacher Report and ESPN and all this stuff. And they hear about you know, dumb things like this. And I, and I know it sounds dumb. Oh, I didn't shake his hand. Who cares? But you are Tom Brady. It is your obligation to set an example and be an example. Jared Goff beat you fair and square. Shake his hand. Don't leave him hanging on the field. Show some respect. He did the same thing with Nick Foles. Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl a few years back. And he beat him again. Go and shake his hand. Be respectful. I'm not going to take too much more time on that, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really care as much. Having said that, this is where I do care. This is where I do care. If Cam Newton did not shake his opponent's hands, oh my God. It would be plastered on the front page of SportsCenter, ESPN, all of that stuff. And you, you can't even deny that that's how it would be. That's exactly how it would be. Cam Newton would be the story of all that. Literally, Cam Newton makes a comment in the media. Oh my God, Cam Newton's this bad guy. He's this bad, whatever. Tom Brady doesn't shake an opponent's hand. I've literally only heard one person bring it up, and that's Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football. I have not heard anybody else speak on it. I don't know. It's just some food for thought, but at the same time, you know... If a guy like Cam Newton didn't do that, oh my God, everybody would be on his behind like it's it's no tomorrow. But, you know, Tom Brady does it, eh, you know, it's whatever. You know, we, we can ignore it. He's won six Super Bowls. Like I said, I don't care. You've won six Super Bowls, show some respect and set an example for everyone else around the league. Anyways, on to the other final scores on or in week 11 here. Carolina shut out the Detroit Lions 20 to nothing. P.J. Walker played in place of the injured Teddy Bridgewater and looked pretty good. And the Lions, oh God, they continue to struggle. 
The Cleveland Browns beat the Philadelphia Eagles 22-17 in another rainy game. The Browns improved to 7-3 for the first time since the mid-90s when Bill Belichick was the head coach. Amazing. Who would have thought we'd see the day that the Browns are in the playoff picture with a week till December? Unbelievable. Usually this is the time where, it's, where we're talking about, oh man, you know, there's five, six weeks left in the season. Are the Browns going to win a football game? I don't know. The Browns, man, they might be clinching the playoff spot this year in December instead of clinching the first overall pick. As for the Philadelphia Eagles, they continue to struggle, and the NFC East has become a party, and we'll get to that in a bit. The Houston Texans defeated the New England Patriots 27-20. Romeo Cornell beat his old friend Bill Belichick. They were coaches on the same staff in New England for many, many years, and the Texans end the Pats' short two-game winning streak. The Pittsburgh Steelers remain unbeaten with a 27-3 victory over the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. The Steelers, 10-0 and remain the NFL's only unbeaten team. Washington defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 20-9. Washington is now tied for second place in the East with the win. Washington is still in it. But the Bengals, the story in this game was about how the Bengals lost their starting quarterback and first overall pick, Joe Burrow, who was well on his way to winning Rookie of the Year. His season is over as he tore his ACL and his MCL. He is out for the remainder of this season and possibly into next season as well. You hate to see it. This has been an absolutely dreadful year with injuries. It's 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 been awful. And to be honest, I mean, the Bengals weren't going to go anywhere this year anyways, but they were competitive with Joe Burrow, a quarterback. They were fun to watch a lot of these weeks, but... Man, you hate to see it. And if you're a Bengals fan, oh, that is just absolutely tough for them to see that. And and who knows what happens next year. But that's really tough. I hope Joe Burrow has a safe recovery and he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder. The Denver Broncos upset the Red Hot Miami Dolphins 20-13. Tua Tagovailoa had that three-game winning streak to start his NFL career. Got benched in this game in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But that still wasn't enough to defeat the Broncos in the mile high. The Dolphins fall to 6-4. Brian Flores says he will stick to Tua as his starter next week against the Jets. The Chargers defeated the New York Jets 34-28. Chargers look good. Justin Herbert, you know, Keenan Allen had a huge game. Chargers finally back in the win column. They're probably still not going anywhere. But the New York Jets. I could care less about the New York Jets. But I'm, I'm going to leave it at this. Please, for heaven's sakes, win one one game for my guy, Frank Gore. Please, please. Frank Gore is my favorite, not even favorite 49er, probably my favorite player. And I know Frank Gore was like, oh, you know, this might be my last year. Yeah, I doubt it's going to be his last year. He's Frank Gore. He's probably going to play another year. Please win a game for this guy, man. Frank Gore is a future Hall of Famer, one of the best running backs of all time. Please do not go 1-15 or 0-16. Please get my guy Frank Gore a win. I beg you, for God's sakes. Last but not least, the Dallas Cowboys finally got back into the win column by beating the Vikings 31-28 in what was a shootout. And the Cowboys looked a lot better with Andy Dalton under set. So, looking ahead to the updated playoff picture after Week 11 in the AFC, those Pittsburgh Steelers stay atop of the one seed at 10-0, but... If they lose one game, the Kansas City Chiefs are right there in second place at 9-1. The Chiefs have the second seed. The Bills and the Colts occupy the third and fourth seed. Both are 7-3. The wild cards in the AFC, 
They could be changing every week. The Titans, Browns, and Raiders occupy the three wildcard spots right now. In the hunt, the Baltimore Ravens and Miami Dolphins, who both sit at 6-4. and four. This is the way I see it. I think the Steelers and the Chiefs are going to go at it for the one seed. I think they're going to be the one and two seeds going into the playoffs. Both teams look very, very good. Both teams are playing at a very high level. I said it last week. I think it's going to be the AFC Championship game. Buffalo looks good. We'll see if they can hang on to their lead in the AFC South. But the Dolphins, you know, they showed that they are still a fairly young football team against Denver. So it is still Buffalo's division to lose. Indianapolis, I mean, they're on a roll right now. And they have a huge game against the Tennessee Titans at home. They already have a one-game lead over Tennessee after beating them just a week ago. They will play again on Sunday. That is a massive game there. The Browns. I mean, I never thought there would be a day in my life. I knew it would come one day. I, I just can't believe that, that that time is now. That two wildcard spots are the Browns and the Raiders. Unbelievable. I mean, for so long, the Raiders and the Browns have been the bottom feeders. It's really nice to see those teams succeed. And they both look very good. And I think Kevin Stefanski... His name is definitely entered into the coach of the year conversation. And then you got the Ravens and the Dolphins. Obviously, the Dolphins, I still think they are wildcard contenders. They have shown that they're a very scary football team. But the Baltimore Ravens, I do not know about the Baltimore Ravens. I, it's crazy because they have so much talent. They got Lamar and Mark Andrews and Des Bryant and Hollywood Brown. And you got Dobbins and Ingram in the backfield and Gus Edwards. But yet, the, when I watch the Ravens, it's almost like the defense knows exactly what they're doing. Lamar Jackson isn't doing those crazy, fancy Michael Vick, you know, straight out of Madden 08 moves. You don't see that anymore. Defenses know, they know what they're getting when they play Baltimore. Greg Roman's got to be more innovative. I think that Ravens defense is trying their best to hold their own. They've dealt with some injuries, but man, oh man. So far, it looks like their game against Pittsburgh is going to play despite Baltimore's COVID issues. But either way, this is a, a, a huge game for Baltimore, an absolutely huge game. And we'll see what happens. But at this rate, I think the Colts and the Titans, I think both teams are going to get in. The Browns look really good right now running the football. I mean, I don't trust Baker Mayfield passing the ball, but... Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are legit. And Kevin Stefanski is having so much fun with those guys. And they just keep running the ball down your throat. And the Raiders are a very underrated team. They have played the Kansas City Chiefs very good. I got to give John Gruden the credit where it's due. The Raiders look good. So that pool of five teams, I mean, it's going to be something to watch for the next few weeks going forward. But I would keep an eye on the Baltimore Ravens. I, I, I think right now... I think they're on the outside looking in. I don't know if they're getting in right now. They got to find a way to win some of these games and they need Lamar Jackson to step up, but we'll see what happens in the AFC. But a lot of things kind of stayed the same, but with those five wildcard teams, a lot can change from week to week. To the NFC, a lot of things changed here. The Saints are now the one seed at eight and two. The Rams have moved from the seven seed to the two seed. And they are now 7-3 and lead the NFC West because they beat Seattle two weeks ago. The Green Bay Packers are, are in the third spot at 7-3. and three, And the Eagles are in the fourth seed still. Man, that tie against Cincinnati is saving their butt right now. Because Washington, the Giants, and Dallas 
are all three and seven. And let's stick it in the NFC East right now. Oh my goodness. I mean, I as pathetic as it is that you have four three-win football teams going into week 12 in one division, as pathetic as that is, it's almost kind of entertaining the fact that we could go into December and say, hey, you know, Washington and Philly are playing a football game and, you know, usually they're two three-win teams or four-win teams, whatever it is, and, you know, eh, I could care less to, to keep an eye on that game. All of a sudden, these are going to be competitive football games because all four of those teams are like, what the heck? We have a shot. All four of these teams realize that they have a shot. And you look at these wildcard teams. I mean, Arizona has looked really good at times, really bad at times. Tampa Bay looked really good at times, looked really bad at times. And same thing with Seattle and the Rams. It's been the whole NFC. Like, there hasn't been one consistent team. I think if I had to choose one, it's the Saints. But everyone else, it's been very up and down. But I'm not saying the winner of the NFC East is going to beat the five seed. It's not going to happen. But I think the winner might be able to compete. But it sure as hell ain't being the Philadelphia Eagles. They are a mess. And I don't know what's going on with them. But I hope the Eagles don't make the playoffs. I think the Giants could be competitive. I think Washington could be competitive. But I think the Dallas Cowboys are the most talented team in this division. It's, it's not even a conversation. And you, it was very evident on Sunday with what Andy Dalton was able to do in that offense. So we'll see what happens. The NFC East, I mean, my lord. To the rest of the NFC, Seahawks went from the two seed to the five seed at seven and three. The Buccaneers went from the five to the six, and the Cardinals are now in the seven seven spot at six and four. Last week, I didn't talk about much about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll talk about a little bit more about them here. They are such a fascinating team, aren't they? Beginning of the year, they're the most hyped up team all off season. Brady and Gronk and Evans and you know the whole thing and we all know how stacked they are and Tampa's hosting the Super Bowl and is this the year that you know Brady brings the Bucks, you know to be the first ever team to play a Super Bowl in their own stadium they've looked like that at times they're dropping 30-40 a run against Carolina Vegas and you know, some of these other teams, the Giants, they barely beat the Giants. That wasn't even that much of a competitive game. But then the Bucks looked like complete garbage against the Saints and the Bears. And then the other night against the Rams, they just, they didn't look awful, but they, they didn't look great. And when you look at this Buccaneers roster, you're like, this team is great. I... The Buccaneers are such a fascinating team to me. And with a team that is that stacked and has that much talent on that roster, I mean, the Buccaneers are such an interesting team. And this NFC, like I've said last week and going into this week, and I think I'll probably say for the rest of the season, it's wide open. The NFC is wide open right now. But I think right now, if we had to pick a team to beat, it's New Orleans Saints. But the Saints have some tough games coming up. Heading into the Week 12 headline games, Washington takes on Dallas on Thursday for Thanksgiving, the annual Thanksgiving game. That game is all of a sudden interesting because both teams have a shot. Talked about the Ravens-Steelers. They will play on Thanksgiving night on Thursday. Obviously, if any COVID issues, obviously it looks like the game is still going on. Huge game for the Ravens. We talked about that. Chargers go to the Bills. I think that could be an interesting game with Herbert and Josh Allen. Bills coming off the bye. Titans-Colts, we talked about that game. 
Huge game in the AFC South for first place. Both teams sitting at 7-3. and three. Cardinals at the Patriots, I think, could be a very interesting game. You got Kyler, you got Cam. Both teams in need of a win could be interesting. The Bears at the Packers on Sunday Night Football. That should be an interesting game, too. But I think the Packers take care of business. And then the game of the week. Maybe it's the Super Bowl. Maybe it's the game of the year. Who knows? The Kansas City Chiefs at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mahomes against Brady. You got Kelsey and Hill against Brown and Evans. And wow, I mean, it's going to be a, a fantastic game. I mean, I, I this is a huge game for Tampa Bay. Huge game for Tampa Bay. Kansas City's got nothing to lose. They're going to win their division. They're going to be, you know, obviously they want to chase Pittsburgh for the top seed. But this is an absolutely massive game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They need a signature win badly. Very badly. They have looked horrendous in prime time. I know this game is not in prime time, but this is a national television slot. You got Nance and Romo on the call. This is a massive game for the Buccaneers and for Tom Brady and this team. Can't wait to see how they respond after that loss to the Rams, but that's going to be exciting. Expect a lot of fireworks in that one. We're going to quickly go through the weekly award winners for this week for the 49er Way Weekly Awards for Week 11. We'll start with the Jerry Rice MVP award. The candidates were Derrick Henry, Taysom Hill, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. I named them both a candidate because both went off. The winner of the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award for this week was Derrick Henry. For the second time, he has won this award. 28 rushes, 133 yards, and of course, the game-winning touchdown in overtime. King Henry, man, this is when he turns it on. Late November, December, this is when King Henry turns it on, and he turned it on on Sunday. Derrick Henry, your Jerry Rice MVP winner for this week. Bill Walsh, Team of the Week award. The candidates were the Saints, big win, defense looked great, played well with a backup quarterback. The Rams coming off a big, impressive win against the Buccaneers. The Indianapolis Colts, two big wins in a row now, and the Tennessee Titans coming off of a big, gritty game against Baltimore. The winner... The Bill Walsh Team of the Week award that you guys voted for the second straight week. The Indianapolis Colts have won the Bill Walsh Team of the Week award. I got to give it to the Colts. I don't think I'll make them a candidate again just because they have now won it twice. But the Colts really do deserve this week. I mean, that was an ultimate team win. Coming back from 28 for 14 at halftime. Holding Aaron Rodgers that offense to only a field goal in the second half. Very impressive stuff. The Colts deserve that award. Let's see if they can keep it up against Tennessee on Sunday. Cody Pickett, L of the Week award. The candidates were the Raiders defense choking on the final drive of the Kansas City Chiefs and blowing that game away. The Lions get shut out by the Carolina Panthers 20 to nothing. The winner of the Cody Pickett, L of the Week award was the Detroit Lions. I'm not going to take too much time here on the Lions, but... It's extremely disappointing. I mean, to, to see a team with Stafford and AP and on Johnson, Marvin Jones, Ga- I, know, I think Galladay was hurt, and Hawkinson, and you have so much talent and you put up zero points against Carolina. Carolina, who doesn't have Christian McCaffrey or Teddy Bridgewater. Carolina's good. I, I've, give, I've given them a lot of love on this podcast, but zero points? Uh, come on, man. D- d- that that deserves the L of the week for sure. I mean, Matt Patricia, I would not be su- I would not be surprised if he gets fired before the end of the season. Last but not least, the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award. PJ Walker was a candidate, played in place of the injured Teddy Bridgewater, played very well. 
or the Dallas Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings on the road. The winner of this week for the surprise of the week was the Dallas Cowboys beating the Minnesota Vikings. Ezekiel Elliott ran for over 100 yards and Andy Dalton threw for three touchdowns. Cowboys keeping it interesting. We'll see what they do on Thanksgiving against Washington. That will do it for this week's episode of the 49er Way podcast. Don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Hope everyone has a great week. And for my fellow American listeners, hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving weekend.